Not a nice start for the Golden Gopher football today. <laughs> Bowling Green made quick work of the defense. That was like three plays. What, House uh, Daniel House <laughs> said first team to 20? <laughs> They're going to be at 20 in the next five minutes. <laughs> what are we doing, PJ? Oh. We'll, we'll keep you up to date on what's going on with the Gopher game, but Bowling Green got the, uh, the fourth possession, and literally – in the in a minute thirteen, they went. It was like three plays, right? They had they had a running play. They went for like fifteen yards. They threw a a, a deep bomb, forty six yard touchdown pass. Me and Dave Harrigan both could have caught that pass because the guy was so wide open. That was embarrassing. Oh, I could have covered the receiver better. Oh my god, so I think bad. it was four plays. I think maybe, maybe there was four plays. two plays to get the first first okay. down, another okay. one to get the uh, the second, and then okay. boom, the big shot over the top. All right, but we'll keep you guys up to date on what's going on with the Gophers. But currently, the Gophers trail Bowling Green 7 nothing. But this is what I want to talk to you guys about because I just I can't be the only one. I am at odds with something that's taking place in Minneapolis that I think is becoming excessive. And it's the takeover and the expansion of bike lanes. I'm not anti-bike lanes. But I just don't get this. Why such a massive commitment to redesigning our roads for bikers? Minneapolis is overdoing it, and it's irritating me. And I know I can't be the only one. I'll give you a perfect example. Anybody that that is coming into Minneapolis on Highway 55, Olsen Highway, Olsen Memorial Highway. When you are coming down Olsen Highway, let's say from Golden Valley or from Plymouth or whatever, and you're coming into the city, when you get to Theodore Worth and you're crossing and, and you're, you, you, you see the water on your right, um, you see golf course on your left, and you're, you, you start to go up the hill, immediately when you start to come down and you're in North Minneapolis at that point. They've got the new redesign, narrow roads with the bike lanes. For what? Let me state this, it, and I can't say it any simpler. People in North Minneapolis don't care that much about bike lanes to have all those, those damn bike lanes. I'm dead serious. They, they just don't. Right there on Olsen Highway, they've made the lanes so darn narrow, I I just think it's super frustrating. You have legitimately went from three lanes down to a couple of lanes and then this wide bike lane. And I'm not, this is not me trying to be anti-bike because I'm not. But I don't understand the need for making the streets so darn narrow to the point with all these bikes. Even South Minneapolis. So we go and we do Christmas dinner in South Minneapolis. As I'm coming back, I don't hop on the freeway. I'm going and I'm taking the streets. And I'm coming down Chicago. And Chicago is a busy street because what? you got Abbott, right? Abbott mm-hmm. Northwestern right there, line yes. of health. It's narrow. Why? I just don't understand. We grew up in a time where you rode your bike either in the street or on the sidewalk. 
and I'm not saying that evolving isn't a good thing. And I'm not saying that if 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 you if you have an opportunity to create a path for bikers that you shouldn't do it. But I, I think that there's you should have to do it everywhere because it seems like there's places where they do bike lanes and it doesn't even make any sense. Have you have you have you been driving down a street where you're like a little bit too much traffic here to be trying to do a bike. I mean, I'm, I'm dead serious. I think we all have, specifically in the downtowns. So I, I think as opposed to doing this massive takeover and expansion of the bike lanes, let's be a little bit more specific about where we put them. Your thoughts, your reaction on the WCCO Talk and Text Line at 651-461-9226. Now, full transparency, I'm not really a biker like that. Have I, you know, will I ride a bike from time to time? Sure. On average, I'm not a biker like that. Are you a biker? Do you utilize the bike lanes? Uh, I'm much more of a biker than you. Okay. I, I don't use like the, the bike lanes like downtown and stuff like that. And as you're talking about on you know 55 or anything, I, no, not really. I you know I'll bike around the lakes in Minneapolis. I'll go to trails and stuff like that. That's that makes you know, sense. specific and for biking, and that's but, something we've always done. Yeah, I'm not a you know bike to work kind of guy or something like that. And the other thing about the Highway 55 specifically, I know I'm going back to Highway 55, but does that make a whole lot of sense in the wintertime too? Like that, that is – when you talk about um, streets and roads that are – get heavily congested coming into – because that's a major congestion spot to come into downtown Minneapolis is Highway 55. During the heart of winter when there is – and I know that right now we don't have any snow on the ground, but when there's massive amounts of snow on the ground – I don't like it. You're not you're not out there with the the fat tires and the giant mittens attached to your handles, kind of guy. No chance. I I struggle with it because I don't want a biker to be put in harm's way. Me neither. And me neither. I don't think a safe. You know, I don't want pedestrians being put in harm's way. That's why I think bike. I do think bikes need to be off sidewalks, specifically in downtown or busier areas. Uh, and what do you do? But. Then I, I struggle with just exactly what you said. Six months out of the year, who's biking? It, the hardcores, and that's it. And that's the thing. If if, if 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 we were in an environment where we didn't have as much snow and in certain areas where you could utilize the bike lanes better and more, I'm all for it. But, like, there's certain streets and roads where you're just like, this doesn't make any sense. It's almost like we put it here just to put it here. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't get it. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Uh, first person is it Henrik? Let's go to Henrik. You got it. Hi, Henry. How you doing? Wonderful. I'm so glad you're talking about this. I absolutely agree with you uh, about the bike lanes and the streets. I live in Southwest Minneapolis, and a perfect example of an egregious total abuse of power by the city of Minneapolis municipal government is Bryant Avenue. Mm. Bryant Avenue is an absolute embarrassment and an affront to the community in which it serves. People cannot even safely drive or park or even get their plowing done in the winter because of the absolutely over-the-top, overly using, using of space for the bike lanes. What they could have done is said, okay, let's be supportive of biking. Um, and have bike the bike lane on one side and then just say, we're only going to have pedestrian sidewalk on the other. That would have created three or four more feet for a safe ability for buses and plows to go down that street. And Henry, and the fact that they you, make it go Henry, one Henry, way. Henry, you're, you're, you're 100% correct because to me, 
I'm not like me and you are both not anti the bike lanes, but it's it's to me it's it's over the top, it's excessive, and we don't need as many streets impacted by it. I'm okay with the people of Minneapolis, the 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 the, the, um, the city officials saying, okay, we're gonna evaluate and see which streets best to put it, but it seems like it's so random where they just did all of this stuff. Yeah, it's it's random, but it's it's, a, it's there's a bigger problem, and it's just the anti car. Uh, agenda of our city government and it's killing uptown and if they think that like it's not their responsibility to support like local mom and pop business they're absolutely wrong that's exactly what city government needs to defend because successful thriving business is what keeps up down crime and maintains critical mass of law-abiding citizens to use the spaces that are entitled to us Yep. All right. Thanks so much. I appreciate the uh, the phone call from Henrik and, and happy holidays to you and yours. Hey, we got some we got a bunch of people that are responding to this on the text line. I do want to address some of these textures because some people do agree with it. And if you'd like to weigh in, uh, I'd love to take your phone call as well. The number is always is six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six. We're talking bike lanes in Minneapolis. Um, I'm not anti bike lanes, but I think it's over the top. It's excessive. And we are doing way too much. We'll take those phone calls. Your reaction next year. This is the Chad Hartman Show. All right, welcome back to the Chad Hartman Show. Producer Dave Harrigan, Susie Jones in the newsroom. The WCCO talking text line from the 612. You're right, it's overkill. They have elevated bike lanes above pedestrian safety, bus riders, safe and accessible parking, and small business survival. Um, this from the 612 as well. That's a bummer with regards to Highway 55. I always felt that 55 through North Minneapolis was a beautiful stretch of highway. I mean, it still is. It just, it, if you're driving through, though, it's so darn narrow the way that they've switched it up. Um, this, uh, another one from the 612, totally agree. They've gone way overboard on changing city streets for bikes. The roads are too narrow, and the white <laughs> and they're upset about the white posts. Can uh, emergency vehicles can emergency vehicles get through, especially in the winter, where seniors loving uh, loving, or I, I think they're trying to say living in suburbs, they obviously don't want us to drive into city because we're not biking in, even in summer. There aren't that many bikers I could go on and on. It's so ridiculous. I do agree with that. Like, <clears throat> I know that. There are plenty of bikers out there. I think still niche. Like the, the, the massive amount of people in Minneapolis are not bikers like that. Not not to this degree. Yeah, recreationally, but they're not commuting to and from wherever they're going every single day. I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, every single day. That's just not that's not the case. Let's take a phone call from Guy. Guy wants to weigh in on this uh, controversial topic. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Happy holidays. How you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Hey, yeah, two things. Uh, yeah, the bike lanes, they're ridiculous. I have two teen drivers on driver's permits, and Uh-oh. I don't know what street we were on. It was over in northeast Minneapolis, kind of in the vicinity of Quincy and Broadway. And between the bike lanes on each side, there was one lane in the center, and it's two-way traffic. And as we're approaching a car, my son tell, asks me, Dad, who has the right-of-way? <laughs> and I hmm. said, I don't know. You know, it forces one car or both to go into the bike lanes. So what is the protocol? That is ridiculous to have that much space used up. But the, the thing that really gets me, not that that doesn't do it, is so many of these intersections, bike lane or not, the cities are putting up uh, these plastic flexible posts. They're, they're uh, you know, screwing into the pavement. Yep, those are irritating. Yep. 
Those, I, I have called the city more than once, and each time they want to know which specific intersection. I said, I'm from Oakdale. I don't know what intersection I was at. They're all over the place. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I said, I was making, I was making a, a turn onto one of those streets. I was being diligent in trying to clear the plastic delineators or whatever you're going to call them. And me and a car coming out of the street came to a dead stop at a stalemate. It was like, this could be a head-on collision. Who? Yep. There's not room yep. for two cars there. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then asked the lady on one of the calls I made, I said, what happens if my car gets damaged if I run some of these over? And her response was, well, then you'd be in trouble for damaging city property. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's I know, I, know, I know you laughed just like that on the phone call, too. I, I think I did. I mean, that is the epitome of what we're dealing with here. There's nothing to, nothing safety about it. There's supposed to be traffic calming. It doesn't calm me. It makes me more nervous. There's no room for anything. And there's no snow, as you yep. know. Yep. Wait till that comes. Yep. It's, so that's, that's my two cents worth on both those topics. One is as equally ridiculous as the other. And in downtown Stillwater, believe it or not, those plastic things are stapled to the pavement, making intersections narrower in Stillwater. So it's mm. come all the way west. Wow. Hey, thanks for, the, yeah, thanks for the phone call from Guy. Guy, hey, Guy's got some strong opinions uh, about this, uh, the whole bike lane <laughs> thing. Uh, by the way, the Gophers are on the board. They just responded back with a, a touchdown, so they're going to tie it all up here at seven apiece. Hey, from the text line, though, somebody has weighed in regarding, remember one of the callers talked about Bryant, the street Bryant? Yes. It said yes regarding Bryant. Brother-in-law owns a business on 43rd and Bryant. Losing customers because they can't park to bring their rugs in for cleaning. Now that totally sucks. But but yeah. That, wow. That 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 would totally suck. But this is the thing. A lot of these things are happening here, and I ranted on this a few weeks ago about the George Floyd Square, which they gotta do something about the George Floyd Square. Mm-hmm. Look, is it is it something that we'll remember for the rest of our lives? Absolutely. They need to do something else about a memorial there because the way it's set up right now, it's not good. It it doesn't look cool. All the stuff is kind of laying around there and it's negatively impacting those businesses. They have to change it. That roundabout stuff. When I grew up and would go visit people in South Minneapolis, that was not the case. They got to change it. But, mm-hmm. I, but I'll, I'll get more into that maybe later. Let's take a phone call from uh, from Mike. He wants to talk about the bike lanes. What's up, Mike? Yes, I have a question for you. Yes. Why not, why not make bicycles have a pay a, put a licensing fee? Wait, 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 wait. On their bike? Say, say that again, Mike. You, you cut out at the beginning of your phone call. I said, why not charge bicyclists, put a license plate on their car, charge them a fee? They're the only vehicle that drives or gets everything paid for them, free trails, free paths, everything, but they don't pay a dime for it. Put a what fee on the what do you say? I can't a, a bike licensing fee, like we pay oh. for a, a vehicle license, have a bike license. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not necessarily. I'm, would you promote that? Is that something you think would be adequate? I would promote that all the way. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, man, you got a car driving down. He pays a fortune for license plate you got everything in the world's got a license and they've got to pay for it bicycling some bikes cost nuts it's five thousand ten thousand dollars and they don't pay a dime for it they get they expect everything for free all right thanks for the phone call from from mike um 
his phone was it kept cutting in and out. I think we could both make a little bit of it. What, what do you make of that? What, what do you think about the, about that license fee? I, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying, too. But, I mean, are we going to charge every eight-year-old with a Huffy a license fee? <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Um, I mean, maybe he's, maybe his angle was as adults. But then how do you do that, though? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah, I... I I probably wouldn't vote for that. I, I wouldn't be in favor of that, mostly because I, I do ride a bike on trails and things, and I'm cheap. Um, <laughs> and you're so cheap. I'm certainly not going to be happy about that. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, I think specifically with the bike lanes and the streets, I, I guess if that's how you want to raise some money for it. But mm, I don't know. I, I think that's going a little far. Wow. Um, this from the system to – this person, all caps, totally agree with this caller. Bryant Avenue is a disaster. Penalizes apartment dwellers, nursing home residents, bus riders, small business. See, now I got to drive down Bryant just to go see. Oh, I'm you, dead, might not I'm, be, I'm, you might not be able to, no, it sounds I'm, like. I'm dead, no, I'm talking about today after the show because I have to run to Bloomington anyway. And then on the way back to Minneapolis, I think I'm going to go down Bryant just to no. see what the heck people are talking it about. It just might take you about two hours to get down Bryant <laughs> from what I'm hearing by the two calls and texts. Yeah, I, I'm curious, too, if it's that bad. Um, Henry, I have no official information on uh, implementation of bike lanes in Minneapolis, but in my estimation, the bike lane mentality in the Twin Cities began years ago as an emotional commitment to getting rid of all gasoline-powered transportation in the city. The anti-car agenda, a prior call of reference, I feel is totally behind this. (laughs) And, of course, someone would uh, reference my guy, Dan Barrero from KFN, (laughs) that he (laughs) likes this conversation. Dan has mentioned this a time or two, I think. (laughs) It's come up, I'm I'm sure, on the show. It's come up on the show a time or two. All right, uh, thanks. uh, Thank you for all the uh, the phone calls and all the reaction because uh, we got strong opinions about this. But something else that I want to get into that – has been controversial here over the last couple of days. A college football program deleted a tweet over the weekend, but was it much ado about nothing? I'll lay it out. We'll explain it because I think that what happened here was us getting upset about something that we shouldn't care that much about. We get that. What happened here was us getting upset about something that we shouldn't care that much about. We get to that next. Henry Lake in for Chad Hartman. I understand and I get that we get upset about a lot of things in life. We all get in our feelings. Some things 100% we should get upset about. But then there are other times where we just have to just really just assess the situation and say, are we really going to get this emotional and wound up about this specific situation? And specifically, I'm going to bring up a university and college football program that deleted a tweet. Coastal Carolina, okay? Coastal Carolina, they are in a bowl game in Honolulu. It's called the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Love that one. It's a great game. Never year. heard of the bowl. I don't know if it's new or if it's been around. I just, oh. But I've heard amazing things about Hawaii. I've never been. I would love to go, right? But, and everybody knows, there's, there's multiple um, bowl games in Hawaii every year. Like, that. that's a destination spot where at least 
four schools go and play in a bowl game because it was a few days ago, just random bowl that I saw on television. I'm watching. It was over in Hawaii, right? Sounds better than Detroit. All right, so the uh, Chanticleers, okay, that says Coastal Carolina, they're at this bowl game in Hawaii. And so what happens is that there is a tweet that they put out, and it says, Teal Tuesday from the island. So in this specific um, picture, okay, there's because there's a picture that's tweeted out. It's a picture of the of the head coach. His name is Tim Beck. He's alongside the school's dance team. Okay, some beautiful young ladies that are on the dance team and the mascot. Okay, coach, mascot, dance team. Coach is in shorts. Dance team members, beautiful, attractive women, they're all in bikinis. And then the mascot is in full costume. Oh, he even had shorts. I don't know if it's a typical shorts costume. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but, but, but they're like – They're, they're yeah, on the beach, but yeah, he's got the whole head on the whole yeah, he, beach. he's got the whole thing. So everybody's on the beach. Mascot, coach in shorts, no shirt. And he's taking a picture with all of the young ladies who look amazing in their bikinis. Yes, they're all kind of arm in arm behind each other, yep. you know, doing the whole thing of stretch of about 10 people and a mascot. The pick rub, according to TMZ, the pick rubbed some folks on social media the wrong way. And they said it was unprofessional. And it became so much of a talker that they ended up deleting it. I need help with this. 651-461-9226. What the, what the heck are we doing? Well, first off, the context I just gave to you. They're at a bowl game in Hawaii, and they're on a beach. I think that people are jumping to assumptions about the picture because the coach is taking a picture with these women, and they're younger, and they're beautiful, and he's got his shirt off. They're on a beach, for Christ's sake. There would be no issue. I don't think anybody would have would have tweeted or said anything if the coach had a shirt on. Who cares if he does have a shirt on? I, I think that we're jumping to the it's inappropriate. You're a family man. You've seen the tweet. Does anything inappropriate look does anything in this picture look inappropriate to you? No. I don't get it. I don't understand why we're so mad at this. They Perception, not, Henry. They should not have had to delete this. Now, now, now. With anything in life, I'm always going to be the person that I'm going to put my myself in those shoes. So, so I have to look at it if, and when I say myself in those shoes, I'm talking about in several instances here with this picture. If I was Tim Beck, would I have had a shirt on? I probably would, so that nobody could jump to that assumption. But if I didn't have a shirt on, it shouldn't it shouldn't bother anybody. I'm on a damn beach. Okay, but, but you're already kind of admitting you know no, that people are going to have a problem with it, right? But but th- that's me. Him, he probably like I don't care, which I, I I don't think he did. He has done anything wrong. Number one. So that's one instance. The other instance. What if I am the father of one of these women? Would I be upset? Heck, no, I wouldn't. 
Heck no. I, I wouldn't be mad at So what? He's the coach of the football team. They're at a bowl game, and they're on a beach. I, I think that the outrage is absolutely ridiculous with this one. But I think you understand where it comes from, too. Where? For the, I mean, you said if you were in Tim Beck's shoes, you'd probably have a shirt on. And it's because well, I'm not I th- in as good a shape as him either. <laughs> ah, come on now. I think you're probably in better shape. He looking a little portly. And I know you'd be hitting the gym on the day after Christmas, for goodness sakes. Um, because when you see this photo, if you are a college football fan, or even if you're not that much of a college football fan, but you pay attention to the news and big-time stories we've heard related to college football coaches – over the last, you know, several years, getting in some sticky situations, whether it's Bobby Petrino, you know, Urban Meyer, we know stuff about him, Blaine Kiffin. That's if you see a college football coach in a photo with a bunch of bikini clad mm-hmm. dance team members from that school. Sorry, that's where a lot of people's heads heads are going to go right away. It's whoa, what's uh, what's this guy getting into, huh? What's and man, there should be nothing wrong with the photo. You're right. There absolutely there is nothing wrong with the photo. There's nothing wrong with the photo. But yes. you just touched on it. The but reason, it's a perception of of what it could be. And, and this is this is what it boils down to. And it's sad that we're here, but we're here, right? Um, you're 100 percent correct. It shouldn't matter. But the reason why, in this specific instance, he is in the spotlight or matters to any degree to where they deleted it is because of Steve Sarkeesian yep, and him, him, name. him getting drunk at USC. And remember, that was when he got fired and, and sent out of there because he's, he's drinking and, and all of that. We had the situation, remember, uh, who was the basketball coach at Iowa State? I can't remember his name. Um, now, but he remember he was at the parties. Uh, Eustachy, Larry Eustachy, yeah, Larry Eustachy, drinking natty lights. Um, um, at the dorm. <laughs> yep, Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. So, so in that regard, but to me, the context of all of it matters. Sarkeesian had a drinking problem at USC. That should matter. That should be talked about. Larry Eustachy, he was a party animal. With that should matter. Now, Tim Beck, it sounds like is a single guy, right? But at the end of the day, the picture itself, unless they they know more about Tim Beck and they're just like, look, dude, this, this could be bad because we know he's kind of a party animal. Maybe that's behind it. But on the surface, without having that information, I just think that they're freaking out over nothing. Yeah, well, they're but, not but, freaking but, out over well, nothing, well, though. Well, well, enough people – well, you're, you're, you're right. They're not freaking out over nothing because I think enough people responded and said, hey, don't, don't do this. Yeah, I mean, you see a, a college football coach – Without a shirt on and a bunch of, like I said, bikini-clad dance team members, it's where a lot of people's heads are going to go, and you can't you can't blame them for it. And the problem is, if it's just a photo, if it's 15 years ago and it's just a photo, yeah, absolutely, take the photo. A few people might see it; it's fine. But it's 2023. That photo is going to get on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. It's going to get everywhere. It's going to get on message boards for Coastal Carolina fans or Coastal Carolina haters. Yep. You know, anyone, and it's going to be all over, and people are going to say, hey, look at uh, Coach, what's his name, Tim Beck. Beck. Tim Beck, yeah. Tim Beck, you know, hanging out with the hotties at Coastal Carolina, and people are going to come to their own. But they're not going to say he's he's hanging out with the mascot. (laughs) No, no, they're not. That might be a couple. The mascot's in the picture. It might be a couple that would say, I don't know. But, no, it's it's going to be people that say, oh, what's this guy going into? Oh, you know, it's, and if you're Coastal Carolina, you don't need that. 
Yeah. You absolutely don't need any any part of that, any part of the perception that there might be something wrong, even when, you know, there's a 99% chance that, hey, they were just all gathered together for some, you know, team event on the beach in Hawaii, you know, some sort of fan-invited thing. Let's all go have a pregame pep rally. Yep. And, hey, we're all here. Let's grab a picture. The the post was deleted after three hours. Uh, reporters did ask Coach Beck about it. Now, this is where I'm going to disagree with him. Um, he addressed the picture with reporters saying the photo op was a spontaneous event. How, now, hold on, hold on. Hold on, Coach, <laughs> Coach, Coach, Coach. How spontaneous was it if the mascots there? Like, it's not that spontaneous. Well, you think mascots can't live their lives, too? They I'm can't go saying. to the beach? I'm just saying. I mean, come on now. You Come on, coach. You haven't been walking around the lakes in Minneapolis and there's Goldie just hanging out on a Sunday? I mean, I'm not seeing TCB Air everywhere all over in, in, the, in the summertime. <laughs> I'm just not. So, so, Coach Beck, I'm sorry. Man, I got your back, but this was not a spontaneous <laughs> event. He would go on to say there was no intent to try to generate any particular kind of response one way or the other of how that was. So, I mean, that's kind of my statement really on it. Uh, Coastal Carolina, they also commented on it, according to the Sun News, saying the photo was taken as a part of the football team's documentation of its trip to Honolulu to participate in the Hawaii Bowl. The Chanticleers look forward to playing in the game on Sunday. I'm with the school, and I'm with the coach. There's no harm, no foul. But it sounds like other people were kind of in their feelings about this. Well, and you know what? If you're the school, delete the tweet and move on. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. All right, uh, 651-461-9226. We'll take a break, come back, and we'll wrap up Hour 2 here of the Chad Hartman Show. All right, welcome back to the Chad Hartman Show. News Talk 830-WCCO. I guess I, I should get in my reaction to Sunday, U.S. Bank Stadium, Minnesota Vikings. Um didn't put us into the uh, the Christmas spirit with their loss against the Detroit Lions. It's so it's it's tough to watch the quarterback play right now. Like Josh Dobbs for two games looked remarkable. The was, astronaut was yeah, here. Yeah, I mean the talk of the league, and then he reverted back to being who he is. He's Joshua Dobbs. He's a backup quarterback for a reason. He's not a starting NFL caliber quarterback. That's just, and I knew that going in. I had tweeted about Joshua Dobbs, and I was like, I don't get what the deal is here, why everybody's like thinking that he's going to be all that. And then, of course, he plays lights out, right, <laughs> for those first couple of games. Then he regresses. Then he gets benched. Nick Mullins. Not just benched. Benched, benched. Nick Sent to the emergency rule. Yeah. Nick, Nick Mullins is a slight upgrade to Dobbs. Well, is he? He's really not. All right, so let me take that back. Calm down. Immediately, I, I need to calm down. <laughs> Nick Mullins is more accurate than Josh Dobbs, but he's a statue. That's it. They're both on the same level. Joshua Dobbs is able to make plays with his legs that he can't with his arm because he's too inaccurate. Nick Mullins is he has more accuracy, but he's still not an accurate quarterback because no. he's throwing pick after pick after pick after. Who's throwing more picks? I, I think there. I think there. I think there's like a contest between the two. Who's going to throw more picks in the second half of the year? Nick Mullins on Sunday. There were like a bunch of moments where I'm like, 
I don't know what the hell you're trying to do. He had those same moments in the Cincinnati game. You're like, I don't know what. Even the one when, when yes. Jordan Addison caught that pass in the end zone, <laughs> yes, that was sounds. a bad pass. Mm-hmm. So we're in bad shape. But this is the thing about the Viking situation. Does this mean that we go into free agency and it's all about Kirk? Like, are we are we are we in a situation where we have to go crawling and begging to Kirk Cousins to come back to Minnesota? Because I hate that that's where we are potentially. Six five one four six one nine two two six. Because I like Kirk Cousins. He's gotten better since he's gotten here. I don't think that we can win a championship with him. But after seeing what we've seen here for the last month and a half, if this is what backup quarterback life is in the National Football League, and it is, then yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give a contract to Kirk Cousins. But this is the problem, and this is the bind that we're in as Vikings fans. Would I take Kirk Cousins back next year on the Vikings? Yes. But I'm not giving him a multi-year deal. I'm not. Coming off of a torn Achilles, I'm not giving him a two-year deal. One, and that's it, I'm not giving a two, three-year deal. I'm not doing it. What's the point of one year then? Well, we, we need to see what you got. Like, like he, he's got a, he's got a, he's coming off an Achilles. That's not an easy thing. It's easier to come off a torn ACL than to come off an Achilles. So he's 35 right now. Oof. He'll be 36 by the time the year comes around next year. I mean, at that point, you're just kind of working year to year anyway, right? Whether he's coming off an Achilles or not. He's going to want a multi-year deal. I would, too. If I was 35 going on 36, yeah, I'd want to get the... I'm not sure I'm willing to do that, man. I'm dead serious. And and I like what Cousins has done the last couple of years. And do I think that this team will be a playoff team if he was still healthy right now? Absolutely. I I think that if Kirk Cousins didn't get injured at all, we'd be in the mix for the division. Probably. But you also have to remember, they lost bad, they had bad losses when he was in this year, too. Yeah, they did. Starting with week one against Tampa, although Tampa actually looks much better now than we thought they would be. Yeah, we should still be better than Tampa. Yes, we should be. But, I mean, we're clearly seeing how spoiled we've been just watching Kirk's accuracy over the last several seasons. Yes. While watching quarterbacks that, you know, even when when they hit a completion, even when they hit a receiver, they're not hitting him in stride. Yeah, They're throwing it behind him. They're throwing to receivers where, well, like last week with Jefferson, he gets absolutely destroyed going over the middle on a ball that was thrown too high. How about Justin Jefferson on Sunday? Oh, that play he made? On oh, the, uh... it was just like the Buffalo play. Yeah. That was the same play, essentially. Except he used two hands this time. <laughs> Texture from the 651 says they can't afford both Cousins and Jefferson. Well, let me take it a step further. Okay? Regardless of who the quarterback is, you know who else got to get paid here in this offseason? And this is why I kept saying, pay Justin Jefferson last year. You know who else they got to pay? Christian Derisaw. Mm-hmm. So you got to give Derisaw new money because he's one of the best young offensive linemen in the league. He's been dominant. Justin Jefferson is going to get the highest contract of a receiver. And then you got to think about who your quarterback's going to be. I, it's 
kind of a tough place for the Vikings to be in. It's a very tough spot. And if you're Justin Jefferson, you want your money, but do you want your money at the expense of having a quarterback that can get you the ball? Because he doesn't want Nick Mullins or Joshua Dobbs or no, no, Jaron Hall throwing here. the ball. Those guys won't be here. Yeah, but I'm just you know if you have a quarterback, whoever it is, if you bring in, you know, if you ever you know draft a rookie, if you have some you know retread you know veteran that's kind of washed up, he's not going to take. He's less gonna be of, happy about that. He's not going to. He's not going to do the Shohei Otani. He's not going to take lesser money to to play with Kirk Cousins. He's going to take the bag and play with whoever he's he's, he's going to play with. That's just my take on it. And I'm not saying that I know Justin Jefferson personally, but this is his first big contract. No, he's securing the bag first, and he'll deal with all that other stuff later. Just like DeAndre Hopkins did in Houston, just the same way as Andre Johnson did with the Houston Texans, whatever. Texans, <laughs> wide receivers, <laughs> they had a lot, of, a lot of bad luck. No, he's going to get the bag first, and then he'll deal with who his quarterback is in the next couple of years. I don't, think, mi- I don't think he's concerned about that right now. You might, but if you're the Vikings, do you want that? Do you want your high-priced wide receiver who you're paying all the money to now be a malcontent because you've got, you know? No, I'm not saying he's going to be a malcontent. I'm saying I'm, I'm saying, saying he, upset he, with the quarterback situation. He might be a great teammate, but if you're, if, if you're Justin Jefferson and you want to be an all-pro every year, you want yep. to be thought of as the best receiver in the NFL, which yep. he absolutely has a right to do. I think he believes in his mind that he can do that regardless of the quarterback. The best There's a lot of receivers that have believed that, and not many have been right. Yeah, but 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 when you're his level... Like, Larry Fitzgerald played with some bad quarterbacks, and Fitzy was the real deal. Like, some some guys are just like that. I think that Justin Jefferson can play with anybody. Like, that's how good he is. He What did he just have this weekend with Nick Mullins? 141 in a touch? <laughs> he did, and there was also a few balls that he was uh, either open for or just completely missed. Yeah, but the other thing about it, though, too, I think that we've seen the last of Harrison Smith, and we've definitely seen the last of Daniel Hunter. On the defense, because of all the stuff that that Brian Flores has done, I think that there's going to be some new guys in the mix. Mm-hmm. There's definitely going to be some new guys in the mix, so we'll see how all of that shakes out. All right, coming up next here at the at the top of the hour, I have to lay out a personal story and scenario about expectations involving a request to meet over lunch. And it's really about... Um, Etiquette, okay. It's 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 just about lunch etiquette and somebody requesting to meet with you over lunch. I have some opinions. I think that even though I wasn't upset about the situation, I think that my expectation wasn't met. But maybe I was in the wrong. I'll explain it next year. Henry Lake in for Chad Hartman.